Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. A um, few things I have to say. One is we personally are involved both as a lifestyle, a ketogenic diet, but also through my 16 years of clinical practice of what is effective. What do people need to take sometimes, all the time, to support their ketogenic diet? You'll get bits and pieces of this ongoing week after week. It's important to be comprehensive. In one way, it's simple. and one way, it's a little bit complicated. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp, and welcome back to another episode of the Keto Naturopath. Today, I want to follow up on my last podcast, and I did a lot about dairy and IGF, and I'd like to use the IGF as being a segue into a review of fasting. So people keep asking about fasting again and again and again. Uh, What are the different kinds of fasts? And so there are a variety of fasts. There's the water fast, which you can have coffee and tea and water, keep yourself hydrated. I'd had salt to that, by the way. It's not a requirement of it. It's not going to change things. It just makes it uh, a little easier without breaking the rules. The next level would be a bone broth fast. That is not the same as a water fast, hence the name bone broth fast. That now you're getting into electrolytes, you're getting into some carbs, you're getting into um, other minerals, which are all good. And sometimes if people want to go on a longer fast, longer than whatever their goal is, it could be from one to three days, from three to five days, from five to 21 days, whatever, that it provides a level of comfort that allows you to sort of grab a few more days or a week or so. Just make sure you have enough bone broth. We make our own bone broth. And so there's only so many mason jars of bone broth available to keep going. But I think um, I'm good with either way. Then after that, they have a protein sparing fast, which basically means protein only. You can calculate that on a per body weight basis. And if your objective is to lose weight, you will lose weight on all of these. You will probably keep more weight off, uh, that is regain less weight on the, uh, the protein sparing fast, which simply means protein only and fluid, of course. Okay. So there's another name of fast that sort of circulates out there that it's entirely up to you to think whether it's genuine or contrived, but I'll give you the research on it. I'll give you the context in which it has come up and my opinion on it, should you care. It is called um, the Fasting Mimicking Diet, FMD, Fasting Mimicking Diet. And it was created by Dr. Luongo. And it just has slightly different ratios. So The interesting thing about this, so what are the ratios? It's a much higher amount of carbs, some fat, some protein, and he has a whole system down that you have to use his particular packets of food. They're protein supplement sources. They are polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fats for the most part. I don't know much if there was any omega-3, but that would go in the category of polyunsaturated. So the interesting thing about his, his uh, proposition, and he did do some research on this, and, he, and it's quite cited, and it's caused quite a stir, and there's a whole commercial enterprise based on this particular type of diet, that the objective is not a one and done. The objective is to take a five-day FMD, fasting mimicking diet, which is not so tight, 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 fasting mimicking diet, do it once a month for five days, do it for three months in a row. 
So what he found, and he did he did mice first, of course. And he's an interesting doc, by the way, because he works across species. He does experiments with yeast, with mice, chimpanzees, I think, and um, with humans to the degree that that's possible. It takes a lot of money to raise to be able to do human research, as you could probably guess. So this particular fasting after that five-day fast for three months in a row, what is interesting, and the truism I don't know where this differentiates from a full-on water fast or even a bone broth fast. That would be good things to compare, but he compared it to a FMD, to a ketogenic diet, to a Mediterranean diet. And what he found was that the FMD and the ketogenic diet both are very therapeutic. And in the case I'm going to tell you about, the Mediterranean diet was a little bit too open-ended. It wasn't specific enough, so it didn't have its results. So I don't know in him saying this, and I've read the original research and I've read uh, his article in Cell Metabolism. Anyways, it didn't sort of give the results. And also, in the end um, of this all, it's very specific to the fasting-mimicking diet, even though it had, uh, even though the ketogenic diet had the same benefits, it didn't go into why he came with the conclusion that the fasting mimicking diet was better. Okay, so what's the big deal? Well, in this series of doing it three months, five days for three months in a row, once a month, is they found that your IGF, a lot of things happen. One is, um, so your insulin-like growth factor, IGF-1, drops down tremendously. And then, obviously, at the end of the fast... Uh, you have a refeeding period, and then your IGF comes back up. And what happens during the, these five days is that your white blood cell drops, you know, that you're a little more vulnerable to infection, so on and so forth, because you, in essence, are starving yourself or partially starving yourself, however you want to look at the definition. And that changes quickly. And what he's noticed is, and he uh, worked with MS patients, multiple sclerosis patients, that this directly has an application to perhaps all autoimmune and the autoimmune diseases that they use as an example, uh, generally speaking, by the way, in mice and then in humans are type 1 diabetes and multiple sclerosis. So those are the two flagship autoimmune diseases that they test. So for multiple sclerosis, both in the mice and in humans, they found that after this series, three months, and they tested them a week after the last of these fasts, that yes, their autoimmunity decreased for these five days, then came back up a little bit, then decreased, came back up a little bit and decreased. But at the end of the three months, that some of the MS in mice, 20% of the mice, never returned to multiple sclerosis. And so the thinking is this, and this is, I think, the really interesting part. My my belief is it's probably true for all fasting, the water fast and maybe even protein-sparing fast, but I would bet that there would be a similarity. I, I, I didn't get that the protein-mimicking diet was that different. So what it's advocating is that in that white blood cells drop, and that's your immune system, it's a generalization, general reference to your immune system is basically dropping your autophagy. Remember all those damaged cells are being hauled away, they're being broken down, they're being taken care of. That all that cleaning and all that new 
you know, biogenesis and mitochondria and all these other the rebuilding up, all that happening successively through three fasts um, is breaking down your immune system. I'm using that word loosely. It's just me saying that. I'm not quoting anybody. So the dropping of your immune system and the cleansing out of your immune system and then building it back up, the concept is that the stem cells, which is you know, where all cells come from a basically undifferentiated stem cell. They call it pluripotent, fancy word. But basically it starts with the clay of life. So stem cell is the clay of life. It can differentiate into any particular tissue. And that's kind of the miracle of the stem cells. So that it gets rid of all these already formed autoimmune cells that are bad cells, we'll say, because they're autoimmune, they're attacking some part of your body. They miss the message. Well, they've been excreted, wiped out, gotten rid of, and a number of mice and in humans that these new stem cells, because we're always recreating things from stem cells, grow back to be normal cells. They don't grow back to be autoimmune cells. And that's kind of a small miracle. And so this is the, the big, big, big deal that is being discovered behind Fasting in general, I think Dr. Fong has already commented on this, and he's up in Toronto, and he does a lot of work with their particular clinic on fasting, that it's a reset. And so, but the definition of what's actually happening, that the fact that it goes back to stem cells, you know, is something very basic, they call naive stem cells. Naive stem cells are ones that have no inclination of what tissue they're going to develop into. And so, and this has been the belief, if you know anybody that has stem cell transplants. My brother who died of multiple myeloma after uh, nearly 10 years, he did have a couple stem cells implants, transplants from, from himself, actually. Probably should have been from me looking back. But the idea is you implant these naive stem cells, ones that are undifferentiated and don't know what tissue they're going to be, they're going to grow into, that it prevents presents a clean slate. You know, is they haven't been prejudiced. They haven't been told exactly what to develop into. So the fact that you can get this stem cell implant effect, again, my words, nobody said it that way before, but I think it's a good way to say it. Um, That stem cell implant effect of having a bunch of naive, clean, undifferentiated stem cells willing to grow into normal cells and do grow into normal cells and not grow into autoimmune cells in people who had or who have autoimmune conditions like MS, type 1 diabetes, like, you know, name your, like a lot of things. That's remarkable. So that's their big secret. And I believe that secret is true of all fasting. So I think that is incredible. So what does IGF come into all this? Well, IGF insulin-like growth factor, which I've talked a lot about in a number of podcasts, but certainly the previous one on dairy, that IGF, dropping IGF to low, low levels, some people interpret Dr. Luongo's data and his whole emphasis on, no, we need to get IGF down. You know, part of our cultural problem is we have, we're always eating food and we always are eating all the things that trigger IGF to increase. And therefore, his diet, we'll call it the FMD diet, fasting mimicking diet, changes all that. Well, I think fasting changes all that. And that 
will be compared. I'm sure there'll be other experiments. We certainly know the ketogenic diet, by his data as well, did equally well to the FMD. So that's remarkable. That means that looking back, let's say in cases like uh, multiple myeloma, which is an autoimmune, into your very bones in essence, that perhaps that could be reversed, perhaps uh, thyroiditis, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, perhaps it goes on and on and on, various uh, Crohn's disease. Uh, that's pretty interesting. So there's a lot of factors that happen in fasting. In the very least, you could call it organ rest, meaning your GI doesn't have to work because there's very little to digest. The other thing that happens in fasting that's been documented, and it really was the first time that I heard this kind of extensive or read this kind of extensive um, documentation of it was that all your organ systems shrink. So we obviously know your stomach gets smaller. It doesn't have to process much. Your intestines, large and small, get smaller. Bladder gets smaller. Your heart gets smaller. You actually do lose some muscle mass while fasting, but that comes back almost instantaneously once you start coming back uh, into your normal existence, your normal diet. So it's not to worry there. So the fact that so many organ systems decrease and they come back uh, to normal size, that they've all had kind of a cleansing out. They've all had a, whatever, I'll call it roughage they had in terms of uh, broken cells, all that autophagy that took place, it cleaned out a lot of things. So um, that across the board, anti-autoimmune effect, again, my words, is pretty stunning. And the fact that you could do a five-day fast, even if it was just a five-day fast once a month, um, that's not too terrible to do. I know it's a bit of a challenge. But if you could do a partial fast, whether it's the FMD or a reduced ketogenic diet, ketogenic, and what, what would that be? That would simply be dropping your calories down to maybe a quarter. Um, or you can do your protein-sparing fast. That also would be a ketogenic diet because you'd be burning your own fat. That's... Uh, that's been documented many, 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 many times. So there's that. I thought that was a great highlight to bring in. And because people ask, you know, what happens during fast? What are the differences between these fasts? The water fast, to the bone broth fast, to the protein sparing fast, to the uh, now the MMD, uh, FMD fast. So the part that I would tend to disagree with, and, and, you know, I really like, there's a guy out there named Mark Sisson, which many of you probably know, that he also had very similar comments questioning the val the valid sorry questioning the value of the fmd diet that was um, researched by dr luongo not saying it was bad saying i don't see that it's any different than previous diets that are out there and i would have to agree with that and so i i love the thinking thoughtful and partially daring comments post to disagree most people when research comes out there, everybody wants to agree with it. They don't want to disagree with it unless you're one of their scientific peers. And I think everybody should be open to disagreeing. I, I love when people think for themselves because nobody has a handle on this, by the way. There is n there is no really definitive research on, let's say, the benefits of fasting. We still know mostly anecdotal. We have small groups of people, even this diet that Dr. Luongo did, a study that Dr. Luongo did. It's just not out there in the numbers that says, this is what you should do. So it's still unknown territory. And as much as fasting really is the mother therapy for all diet-oriented therapies, and what I mean by this is we know 
way back when I did the earlier podcast about the history of fasting and the ketogenic diet, it was fasting long preceded understanding what the ketogenic diet is up till 1921. So it was fasting that was used for treating epilepsy. It was fasting that was used for treating uh, type 1 diabetes. And it was um, you know, it was obviously only so far you can go with fasting before it turns into complete starvation and death. So there's they would do three-week fasting. That was the model, three-week fasting. Can you imagine that? People, children, for the most part, are just not eating for three weeks. So fasting being the mother therapy of all diet therapies it's exactly that. It was the most profound thing they had ever seen. So since then, it hasn't been tweaked much. The, it, the name through Dr. Wilder in the Mayo Clinic, 1921, is the ketogenic diet. Is there a diet that could mimic fasting? This is what he was asking. Is there a diet that could mimic fasting and not be fasting? Hence, he called it the ketogenic diet. So the idea we have a fasting mimicking diet, that's exactly what the ketogenic diet was. That's exactly what Dr. Wilder was looking for. You know, could we make make it so kids don't have to starve forever? The type 1 diabetics, you know, eventually if, if the only therapy out there is a calorie-reduced ketogenic diet, they're going to eventually starve. And what they found is that back then, now we're speaking 1910 to 1920, maybe up to 19, well, not to 1930, up to the invention of an isolation of uh, insulin, was that the best treatment was a calorie-restricted ketogenic diet. And most type 1 diabetics died within the first year as a child, pediatrics. So with that, they called it the Allen's diet. They lived for five years, but they didn't live a great life. They still died primarily due to starvation. So at some point, they have to get on board and have full calories and have it all work out. So that didn't go very far. Insulin came in and, and, you know, that was the end of that research. We don't know what kind of ketogenic adaptation for type 1 diabetes is out there. But let me tell you, type 1 diabetics now are very much getting on board with the ketogenic diet. There's plenty of Facebooks out there. One is true type 1 grit, which interesting. You can join it. Okay, so there's that. The question is, we're now coining fasting mimicking diet, but that's exactly what the ketogenic diet was. We wanted to produce the ketones of a fast. So I'm at a loss to see what the difference are is between these two. Um, it's interesting the ketones were not measured from these two different diets. That would have been interesting to see what their similarities were or what the differences were. And um, so that wasn't there. So anyways, in, in short, I appreciate Mark Sisson having the the self-thinking perspective of saying, great, these are good results. I love the idea of of the uh, affecting autoimmune, but I don't see how it's different than any other fast. You know, bravo, Mark. Those are the kind of voices we should hear. One thing that, and now I'm sort of responding to Mark's criticism that he said, you know, Dr. Luongo's work was all about low IGF. Actually, it wasn't. It was about low IGF as being a trigger to create the naive stem cells, the clean stem cells. So it had to go low to trigger that result and go low to clean out all the garbage, right? All that autophagy. And then afterwards, coming back into your higher IGF spurred on the production. So you needed the IGF. Remember, it's growth hormones. IGF is like insulin and the insulin IGF signaling pathway is a big growth hormone push. 
covered it before, and you can certainly do a little more research, and all my uh, links to studies are there to go through all that. So then they all start to grow. So I thought that that was a really pretty important point, that the low IGF through fasting really triggered, reset the stem cells, and then when the IGF came back, increased in levels like it should, back to normal dietary response, that then pushed all those clean new stem cells to grow. So consequently, it reduced a lot of autoimmunes. So I can't actually say a lot of autoimmunes. He only tested it on, on MS. And when he noticed that the myelin sheaths, these neurons, uh, these cells that make those neurons, the oligodendrocytes, they were fully functioning. They weren't as um, compromised as before. So that's a big deal. I think we're going to see more of that in fasting. So fasting is going to become more of a therapeutic tool. And my confusion is I really don't see the difference between the ketogenic diet per the results and the fasting, the mimicking diet. There is a, I did hear, I actually uh, did listen to Dr. Luongo in person at the Metabolic Therapy Conference. Can't remember if it was the first one or the second one. I think it was the second one down in uh, University of South Florida. And uh, his talk was good, but I remember stepping out in the hall of vendors, you know, he had a big vendor selling his diet program. And I was on, I was just hearing about the fasting mimicking diet at that point, but I was really turned off by the promotion of this is what you got to do and you buy his kits. And you know, I, it seemed very self-serving and I'm suspicious of that. That's just my nature. So I'm giving my prejudice into this particular talk so you can see that and you can judge for yourself. However, whatever kit you take, and if you got those good results, and if you had MS and some other autoimmunes, I certainly would start with the kit. And then if you were bold enough and self-disciplined enough to make it into your own way of eating, do that. Um, I would suspect that it's probably identical to either protein sparing slash and or to a ketogenic diet fast. And actually, I've never heard of a ketogenic diet fast. Uh, protein sparing would be the fast and it would be ketogenic. Okay, so I hope that was helpful to you. Some things on IGF-1, again, is that, you know, if you were to inject IGF-1 to show you the importance of IGF, we we need uh, insulin-like growth factor 1 in our lives. The accusation is, in our culture, we have always high levels of IGF-1, and therefore it's cancer-promoting, and therefore it's unhealthy, and therefore it's disease-promoting. And I believe all that. I think primarily that's because because of processed foods, and I think it's certainly because of dairy. Go listen to the other podcast for that. So you've heard that from me to the point you're bored to tears by me even saying it anymore. But what you need to know is that you can create your own IGF when you exercise, when you exercise to intensity. So when you exercise to intensity, your IGF will spike. In other words, you have produced it. You have produced a situation by weight resistance in which you will generate your own IGF. Now, are you generating your own IGF systemically? You can measure it in the blood. It's systemic enough for me. Those are one of the things. You also need IGF high enough long enough or periodically high enough to um, get bone strength. So for women that are more concerned with osteoporosis, working out, or I should say IGF is very important. So you can choose to go get it yourself, go make it yourself through working out. And that's clearly a, a healthy thing. 
And then I'd say if you think of some sort of fasting, which looking back to the whole Paleolithic time before 10,000 years ago, that there had to be fasting as part of our existence, I think that fits right into a, a healthy dietary way of doing things. Beyond that, do you have to go look for additional IGF? I think therein lies the trouble. As we get older, we know we have lower and lower IGF, but I think that we can, I think we can induce it by fasting and coming back. That's a great way of lowering that trigger and then, and, and then increasing it to normal existence. We also can increase it through high intensity exercise. That's a very big deal. So a lot of these things are therapies at your, at your own discretion. The other thing I wanted to cover, so that's pretty much it on the fasting mimicking diet. Um, I look through the, the data and I'm, you know, I don't, I don't see the difference between the ketogenic diet. Okay. So the other thing that I wanted to bring up with people ask this a lot, my concern with fasting, by the way, is when people ask it in the Facebook group or otherwise, is there going to be a, they're going to be addicted to it. You know, I'm going to fast every other day and they're, and it's going to be their way of, I don't have to think about my life. I don't have to think about diet or anything else. I'm just going to fast. Well, it, it can predispose certain behaviors. I mean, it's not far off from anorexia nervosa of just saying, I'm going to keep myself thin by just not eating healthily. So just like with the children that were on calorie-restricted ketogenic diets, long-term, it's not healthy. A, a full-on, full-caloric diet, ketogenic diet is, and you'll and it's basically self-determined after a while. You'll see what's normal. But to always be depriving yourself of calories is not a long-term good plan. So intermittent, intermittent fasting, and I don't mean intermittent fasting, you did two hours today and 10 hours tomorrow. I mean, intermittent fasting, these periods of days for once a month, that rings more true to me than merely extending your non-eating time, which is also helpful. But um, so there, nobody can, can make these comparisons, by the way. This is kind of conjecture out there. Uh, I, for one, I have a snack uh, early afternoon. What is that snack? It's usually a piece of leftover meat with some mayo on it. We make our mayo and you know about that. C8, so it's ketogenic mayo with meat. That holds me over. I have tea or coffee throughout the day, and then we have fish or chicken or meat uh, for dinner, and that's where we are right now. We're kind of on a zero-carb phase. Well, that lasts forever. We're going to go for a year, and we're about two-thirds through that, and it seems to be working fine for us. But the point was the you don't have to be dependent on just one. These are different variables we're all discovering. So the intermittent fasting idea, the window of not eating, if I finish dinner at 6.30 and I don't eat again until 12.30, that's 12 plus 6, that's 18 hours. So that's an 18-hour fast. And I think the word intermittent fasting is way too general. Intermittent fasting could be you didn't eat for four hours. It could be you didn't eat for 10 days. So it's just a very not helpful word to use, but everybody likes to feel they're in the club. So be in the club. You got my point, I hope. So I think both opening your, your not eating window and making it a little longer is a good idea. It seems to work for us. Make sure you don't eat late at night on that regard, but we don't have strong comparisons of what would the 18 hour fast be relative, you know, day after day after day versus somebody who's doing the five day moderated fast 
once a month for three months? I don't know. Those are good questions. And none of that is answered out there. So there's still a big unknown. But what everybody agrees on, it's a big autoimmune boost in terms of damping down the autoimmunity and increasing healthy immunity. When you hear about Tom Siegfried, who was the first to really write about this, he has a calorie-restricted ketogenic diet initially used for cancer, and now to that is added periodic glutamate inhibition. They call it a push-pull. So there's that out there. Those are the aspects of reduced. It's, it's clearly a healthy component, but you can't go forever with not eating enough calories. That's the thing. So if one is falling back, there's one person I'm thinking about in our group that she's always wanted to start a fast, and now she's up to day 14. I'm thinking, I don't know, you know, there's other aspects of nutrition that are far more important, but um, there is a point here that maybe she'll get reset and, and that will be fine. But I'm a little concerned. So that brings me to the point of fasting and refeeding syndrome. What does that mean? Well, very few people suffer from this, but it basically has to do with coming off of long fasts. And the first, this this was referenced by prisoner of war, uh, prisoners of war uh, in World War II. And when they were given food, nobody knew to tell them just to eat a little bit, and then tomorrow they could have a little more, and the next day they could have a little more. They Some ate themselves to death in one meal. And uh, it wasn't because they ate a lot of calories. They weren't gluttonous. Is that your body had so adapted to uh, low sodium, for instance, and a lot of low minerals that it really taken from the, the, your bones, phosphorus, magnesium, calcium, all of them. But phosphorus ends up being a big concern. So if you're on a long fast and you just jump in with ordinary eating, uh, that's a risk because suddenly that, it's a long explanation, but phosphate is basically tied with energy and that's in, in within your cells, intercellular. And the longer you fast, a lot of those uh, phosphate drops down. And when you suddenly start eating, that the change, the sense your insulin jumping up suddenly takes the phosphates in your blood and it sends it out. It's a brief sort of misadaptation quickly or transition phase. And so you become very low in phosphate uh, in your bloodstream. And so that can send you into shock and even death. So it's the slow refeeding, coming back slowly and being aware of that. So when people talk about fasting, like the woman, woman I'm thinking of, and yeah, she does have weight to lose, and she's proud of the fact she's already lost 60 pounds, and she's done most of that with ketogenic diet. But um, her refeeding is should be important to start slowly, not to jump in. And uh, you know, some some protein, um, very few carbs, really. You're already burning your own fat, but just start to add the calories in slowly, and bring your system back online. So your refeeding syndrome is a real thing. And some people are very much worried about it. I've never seen anybody, seen or heard anybody outside the stories of World War II. And uh, one or two others, there is an example, um, a musician named Blaine uh, in 2003 fasted publicly for 144 days and uh, he needed to have some IV uh, vitamin therapy to uh, come back to normal. So that's the kind of danger you can get yourself into. So it's the danger that just needs to be seen with a physician's oversight. Let your doctor know you're fasting for this period of time and 
um, have somebody pay attention to you. That's when you're doing it by yourself and not talking to anybody, they can get very dangerous. Okay. So we covered IGF, how it's a really neat idea in fasting that it gets low. And then it, when it comes back to normal, you've cleaned out your autoimmune cells and actually has made your condition much better through what they call naive stem cell creation. We've talked about, um, basically it's application. I'm not quite sure how it's different from a ketogenic shared those ideas with, uh, Mark Sisson and others think that as well a little bit skeptical and somebody has a whole full-on commercial enterprise built behind their conclusion. But who am, I, who, who am I to challenge somebody who can raise $50 million for public research at the University of Southern California, UC Davis? Pretty neat research, however you come to it. So on that will be my podcast. I hope that that piqued your interest both in fasting, uh, IGF and uh, the low and the highs, us getting older, um, and I think I'll end there. What I would suggest you all do is if you're not engaged in the ketogenic diet, something I totally believe in and the labs that I monitor, you know, uh, in myself now and what I should have monitored my patients for those 16 years, um, is as a result of the ketogenic diet that there's some remarkable changes you can induce in your own life, not just weight loss. It goes well, well, well beyond that. It's an ongoing transition that really takes years. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. For anybody who has any questions, feel free to contact me on our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Same name as our podcast. I'm open to any questions and we plod through the good and the bad, the difficult and the easy week after week.